Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Uh, get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. Uh, give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out. Subscribe, share. Uh, you know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star uh, all the time. Uh, my podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, again, Check out both of those podcasts, and hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe. All right, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Your co-host, Connor Miles, here. I have a very, very, very special guest joining me right now to talk Eagles. It's actually former Eagles linebacker, Mark Lowbridge, a.k.a. Bridge. He has Bridge Brawl on the Brawl Network, too. Bridge, thanks for hopping on the show, man. I've been dying to talk to you about football. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited, too. I uh you know, Philly fans are the, the craziest fans in all of football. I think that's uh, pretty much world-renowned. And uh, I, I, a quick story, just I love my time in Philly. It wasn't long enough, and we'll get into that. But when I was a scout, when I was scouting for Green Bay and I was a scout for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I would have to go into Philadelphia to scout, like, for preseason games or looking at, you know, you're trying to find players. And, and Philly was always one of my teams that I scouted because I knew the front office well. Scott Cohen was a really good friend of mine who was in the front office for a long time. And so we would exchange information. He would be like, hey, this is a guy that probably won't make our 53-man roster and, and probably not a practice squad guy. But, you know, he might be, you know, at a position you're looking for. So I went in, So I was in Philly all the time. I would never wear my other opposing gear like I would never wear Packers gear in there I would never wear anything else not walking through the parking lot nothing I would just keep my head down I wouldn't even take normally I would have like a like a briefcase I wouldn't even take that because I didn't want anybody to think I was anybody different than just some random dude walking through the crack man those Philly fans you guys are nuts man 
wise man because we even beat up one of our own and Mike Scott. And he, <laughs> Mike, Mike Scott wore a Redskins jersey to an Eagles game and got his. I mean, he didn't. He yeah. ended up beating everybody up, but he got jumped for it. Uh, yeah, yeah mean, we your are. Boot, your boots, no man. I mean, you boot Santa Claus and and you cheered when Michael uh, Michael Irvin was uh, you know partly paralyzed. So yeah, yeah. Eagle fans are. Eagle fans are, are brutal. It's all right, man. Passion. I'm not mad yeah, about it. I'm not mad very about different it. breed when it comes to the passion. But yes, it is. speaking of your Eagles tenure, let's let's get some insight on that, man. I want to hear about some players you grew up with here. Connor, if you haven't done it yet, I highly recommend. I, t- I think it's on my Facebook. It might be on my old Twitter. I don't – or it's Twitter still. So Bridges, at Bridges Football. Um, I did – I had a diary. I took a diary when I was uh, – or let's – put it that that's totally sound like a little my teenage daughter right there um I had a journal okay when I was my my time in Philadelphia just because I I always dreamed of playing in the NFL right when I was five that's the only thing I wanted to do um I set my life course to play in the NFL every decision I made up to that point was to, to try to play in the NFL every Halloween I went as a football player it was just kind of it coursed in my veins I mean I read every book I could I still have a ton of memorabilia from a kid being a kid and uh so I always thought, you know what, this might make a good book someday, or this might make a good, just something I want to relive. And, and I'm an English major, so I was, I, I like to journal and write anyways. And so I, I was digging through some books last year, boxes last year, and I found the journal. I'd kind of forgotten I did it. And so I literally had every day, and I put it every day that coincided last year with training camp, I put up my thoughts of the day of what I went through, you know, in my, my tenure in, uh, in Philadelphia. And so it was pretty, pretty amazing. It was really cool to be able to look back and, and relive some of those thoughts and those memories and, and how I felt. And, and there was times where, you know, brutally honest training camp sucks. And, you know, it's maybe not as hard nowadays as it was back in 19, uh, you know, 95. Uh, but it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough time, but it was, I was fortunate um, in, in a manner and in a way I wasn't because I was there for Ray Rhodes first year. And, and I was an undrafted free agent. Now, a guy named Dan Shanka, who was a longtime scout, actually now runs rlads.com. So if you need depth charts for any team, go to oh, rlads. Yeah. yeah, go to go to that's that's Dan Shanka. So and he's out. He's from my hometown uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And so we uh, so Dan, when I was at Iowa State, we, we sucked. And I played out of position. I was playing defensive end when I was really supposed to be a linebacker, but we just didn't have enough bodies uh, my senior year. So they moved me to defensive end. And I still had a really productive year. Still was, you know, I will mention all big eight and really played well against Nebraska. Nebraska had the Outland Trophy winner that year. And and so Dan always kind of said, hey, man, this kid can play. We just got to get him in the right position. He's, but he's probably a practice squad type player. But I tested well. I ran, you know, if I ran in the four fives, you know, at, in my 40 at 240 pounds. And, you know, my vertical was 39 and my bench press was, I think I did 225, 34, 35 times. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was always a good athlete. And then, uh, uh, and, I, and I understood the game. I just didn't, I just needed to, I just needed reps as linebacker. And so when I got to Philly, when I ended up signing with Philly, uh, Dan really pushed hard to get me to, to the Eagles. And so when I went there, you know, they had a pretty good group of guys and they had just had Bill Romanowski. Uh, Kurt Govea was there. Willie T is maybe maybe one of the most underappreciated linebackers in all of NFL history. Uh, such a freaky athlete. I mean, still to this day, one of the I've been around a lot of really good athletes. William Thomas and Mark Fields are, are two of the best linebackers I've ever seen that people really don't talk about. But athletically, God just gave them different skills than the rest of us. And I, I remember actually at one point I was in camp 
and I'm standing next to, to Romanowski and Govea. And, you know, Rome had that reputation at this point already of being a, the prick he is. And, and, uh, but I was like, oh, I don't care. Like he's, he made it in the league. He's got rings. I'm going to follow this guy. But he stood there. We're, uh, we're in the camp. And all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, don't, don't do anything that he does. Don't pay attention to what he does at all. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, he's so much of a better athlete than you are. Don't, you got no chance of, of ever doing anything William Thomas does. He goes, none of us do. And so he goes, so you just, stick to what you know and follow what follow what we do more or less follow what the white guys do uh you, you got a, you got a shot here just smash some faces and hit people as hard as you can and uh it'll take it from there and so it was uh i had a great time uh, i could literally relive almost every day of that camp not only from my journals but just after they going through it just even stuff i left out of the journals um it was uh it was a great time but it was hard for me because ray really wanted veteran guys and Coach Rhodes just didn't – it really wasn't a chance for us young guys. Now, Mamula was there. We were the draft choice of, of Mike, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he was kind of in because of how he tested at the combine. And, you know, it was funny because all my numbers were actually better than what Mike's were. And, and Mike, you know, I, I think he had a, had a, such a target on his back, and it was so hard for him to kind of fit in because he was cool. Like, we hung out, but he wasn't – he wasn't one of the guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't – and not, not that I was. I was only there for training camp, right? I mean, I made it through the third preseason game. But it was one of those situations where it was – um we were so veteran heavy and, you know, you have now talk about a staff, right? Like, and I look back on this staff, I'm like, Holy Lord, almighty God. But it's, it served me well later on in my career because I can use this as a reference point to go back and talk to these guys and say, Hey man, you remember me from there? And most of them didn't, but you know, but I mean, we had Gruden was on our staff. I mean, Gruden's was the was offensive coordinator. Juan Castile was the assistant offensive line coach. You know, we had, uh, um, Emmett Thomas was our defensive coordinator, uh, who's a hall of famer, uh, right. Mike Turkovic's our D line coach. Joe Vitt is the, the wet rat is our, my linebacker coach. Um, I mean, we were just loaded with coaches and, and guys on that staff that went on Callahan was our offensive line coach. I mean, we were just guys that, that were, went on to have huge successes in the NFL and the coaching ranks and they were on our team. And then, but I'm sitting there with Randall Cunningham and Rodney Pete at quarterback, right. Guys that, you know, you watch, you're, you're watching these players. Romo's a guy that I, I looked up to and, and uh, you know, William Fuller. And I mean, you just, there's just such studs, Ricky Waters, right, man. I got a great Ricky Waters story, but it's, uh, you know, Charlie Garner. And there was just guys that were, it was so cool. Fred Barnett to, to be around those guys and to talk to those guys and pick their brains. Um, I was really fortunate. I had a great time. Uh, I knew I wasn't probably going to, you know, you think you're going to make it right every day. You think you're making it. And I made a lot of plays. I did a great job in camp. Um, but I don't know if I ever really got the fair shake I thought I deserved. Um, and I, and I say that as someone that's now been in personnel and someone that knows I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't as from, I look back at it now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, wasn't good enough to like play on the 53 man, but I know I could have been on the practice squad and, uh, and I proved that. I mean, I ended up, you know, making it other places, but it was, uh, it, it was kind of, the cards were kind of held against me a little bit just cause he really wanted veteran guys. And, and we didn't have, they had one Sylvester Wright made it. Um, and Sylvester Wright was getting cut. They told him actually that you're getting cut, bring your playbook. And we had one more practice. And at the practice, he went and asked coach if he could rush, like rush the, uh, from defensive end position. And they let him rush. And he was going against, I don't know, somebody not, that wasn't a top end guy, but he ended up, uh, getting like two sacks against this dude. And they're like, Whoa, okay. You can add this versatility. I'm like, well, I can do that. I mean, I, I, I can rush a passer, never got the opportunity. And then Sylvester made the team and, and I'm out the door. So. But good for Sylvester. 
Well, that was that was a, a part of Ray Rhodes' tenure that people killed him about in Philadelphia was the favorite veterans over the younger I mean the youth. And then I mean kind of that's really how his tenure ended. I mean, basically. But I want to hear that uh Ricky Waters story. You know, Philadelphia loves our boy Ricky Waters. I want to hear this oh, story. I love Ricky Waters. Okay. Ricky I, I told him this story at the Super Bowl two years ago, three years ago, and he laughed his butt off. He didn't remember it, of course, because he's got multiple stories like this. And uh we were sitting there at we're in Jackson, Mississippi, and we are playing the pre our first preseason game versus the Jets. Okay, and this was a bumble of a trip, anyways, and it was just uh, I mean, I, it was cool. And part of the things I'll remember about it was that they actually they, they they did sing the national anthem before the game. They actually had a prayer said before the game, which I had never heard before. And I was standing next to Randall Cunningham um, at the game, and he was like, "Man, I, I've never seen this before." And, and someone who's you know I'm a, a hardcore Christian guy, so it's it was uh, it was pretty cool for for me to have them say that, uh, you know, say a prayer. But it was also in that game hot, man. It was humid. I mean, was, people know if you're from Mississippi, there's just a different heat in August uh, down there. But so we get done. We're after the game. And I, I played a little bit. I didn't play much, but I played a little bit. But we're getting ready to get on the bus to head back to the airport. And we're standing there and you got fans down there, whatever else. So there's just people lined up. And there's, you know, there's some, some you know, bunch of dudes are trying to get the attention of all the coaches. You know, hey, give me a workout. Give me a workout. And then there's just, you know, some beautiful women that are hanging out. There's little kids. And I mean, just it's a crowd that hangs out after games. Right. But but Jackson, Mississippi doesn't get NFL games. So they're hanging out by the bus. And uh, we're, I'm sitting in the, on the bus and, and uh, Ricky, Ricky's in there with, with Charlie Garner and there's just, just knockout. There's just a knockout girl that's on the bus and, uh, or outside and she's, she's standing there with a guy and this guy is, ah, shoot, dude, he's gotta be six, 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 five, six, six, huge, probably three, three bills. Okay. Right. I thought he was a player. I actually thought he was like a player maybe for the jets. And then that was his girlfriend. And so uh, we're sitting there and Ricky's like, he goes, man, that girl's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah. You know, and Charlie's like, yeah. And Charlie's like, but you can't get her number. And Ricky's like, come on, man. You come, you, you know who you talk to, right? I mean, now if you know how Ricky talks, it's different. And he's like, man, I don't, you know, I don't need her number. He goes, but I'll just do it just because I want to prove to you I can do it. He goes, I, I don't want it. I don't, I don't need it, but I can do it. And so Charlie's like, no, you can't. And so whatever, they they made some bet. I don't, I'm not sure what the bet was. Maybe it might've been a thousand bucks. I don't know. And uh, all of a sudden Ricky taps on the glass. Okay. And, and the lights are on inside the bus. So it's because, you know, the windows are kind of, are, are, are beveled and, 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 and tinted, but, but with the lights inside, you can still see out. So he taps on the glass and the girl like looks up or the whole group, their whole group looks up, taps on the glass and he, he points. Right. And so she like looks up at her man, looks at the bus, looks up at her man. And then he goes, and, and then he, he Ricky holds up a can. Okay. So holds up his, he's got like a Pepsi can or Coke can or whatever. And uh, walks over. And she comes to the front of the bus and he meets her at the front of the bus and he just he yells out to the guy, Hey, I'm just giving her an autograph. She just looks like she wanted, you know, she was, I saw her earlier. I was giving her my autograph and I'm big. Literally signs his autograph and at the same point hands her a number at the same time. So she then has, as they're, as they're talking, she ends up signing up another, Ricky had some piece of paper or something like that, ends up signing her number to Ricky. He gets on the bus, looks at Charlie Garner and says, Told you. And I'm just like, God dang, dude, this is just a different level, man. NFL is just a different level. And it was just, uh, I, you know, and I don't know if Ricky ever did anything with it. He didn't need to. He probably threw it away. And and, and uh, uh, he didn't remember when I told him the story. But it's just, I remember thinking to myself, I mean, that's just, there's just different breeds, man. And, oh, and Ricky, but Ricky had it like that, though. I mean, Ricky was so smooth. He was just such a, not that I'm not saying smooth with the ladies. I don't know that. Maybe he is. 
but he was just such a smooth dude. Like just, he was so easy to like, and he was so anybody was just such a good dude. And he was such a good player. Like for me, he didn't need to talk to me. I was some scrub, you know, free agent. And he was always so nice to me. And, and that's one thing I will remember about that team. Like Rodney Pete, I went over Rodney Pete's house uh, with Holly Robinson, Pete right here. I'm just like hanging with Mr. Cooper. I'm like freaking freaking out. And, uh, you know, we're watching with Jay Fiedler and Anton Davis. We're watching the Tyson fight. And I'm like, that was, that was those were some cool memories and cool experiences. And, and uh, you know, I think that's one of the things I always appreciate about my time in Philly is the guys on that team went out of their way for a young buck like me to, to make me feel like I actually belonged there. And it was pretty cool. It's nice to hear. That sounds like a Philadelphia culture thing because that, that you hear like stories like this now with the current teams today. So it sounds like it's always been this type of way with the culture there. But William Thomas, we can never forget him. Obviously, he was a superstar, but he also always comes back and speaks to kids. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. They have like an Eagles youth camp yep. that they did virtually this year. And he met with uh, Giovanni, who we're about to start having on our show uh, soon. And Giovanni's like 12 years old, doesn't, doesn't obviously know who William Thomas is or anything like that. And he's sitting there learning about from William Thomas about the game. And then this 12 year old kid talks to me on, uh, cause we're talking about what he's going to do for the podcast. And he's like, I need to start talking about Randall Cunningham. Cause William Thomas taught me a lot about Randall Cunningham. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. this, like it's so like to talk to you too. Cause this is like, again, before my football era to get like an understanding of like, well, this is what we used to do. Like, this is how this team used to be. This is how laid back guys used to be. It's great learning this stuff. I love learning about the history of the team. Uh, well, your insight's great. I think there was, I mean, that team had a lot of characters, right? I mean, you had William, you had Barry Wilburn who had been busted for cocaine and filled, you know, in, in Washington who led the, led the NFL as a rookie, I think in interceptions. And then, you know, Ray, Ray brought him over, had him in, in Washington and then brought him back over. And, and so we had David Fillmore, I mean, we had guys that were part of, you know, a, a big time history of, of what the NFL is. Fred McCreary goes on to be one of the best fullbacks in the NFL was a rookie that year with me. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, there was just a lot of really good, you know, uh, good coaches. Danny Smith is our special teams coach. It was it was fun for me because it was, you know, Randall was always kind of the lead guy. But Rodney Pete was such a smooth dude that he was just he kind of had the pulse of all the guys. And so where Randall was kind of bigger than life in a way, uh, Rodney kind of was every man. And the guys just appreciated him from his time at USC. And they knew his history and they knew how just – you know, and he's just a good looking guy. And it was just, it was a, it was a fun group of guys because there were, it was so eclectic and there were so many different characters. I mean, we're sitting there. I mean, this is one of the things I talk about in my journal is I, I'd never seen it before. And it was, I mean, multiple things I'd never seen before. Um, you know, I, I come from a big, you know, big eight background. I'm, I, we played studs, right? I mean, I played against the, some of the best players in the, in the country, you know, I, Rashawn Salam won a Heisman and Tommy Frazier and and we played against Wisconsin when they won the Rose Bowl. Powerful Iowa teams. We're in the locker room before my first preseason game or second preseason game. I take that back the one in Philadelphia and Ray Rhodes, our head coach, is always chewing on a ginseng stick. Right, that's what he used. To, that was his kind of his calling card. He comes over before the game and the, the, these guys are doing shots of Everclear like to get hyped up for the game. And he takes a pull off the Everclear and goes, let's go. Like he starts screaming. And I'm just like, I like, I look, I look, looked at Willie T of his lockers next to mine. And I go, I don't know if I'm ready for the NFL. Like, I don't know if this is, if I need this. I mean, you know, Romanowski used to pull out this, he had this whole huge, I mean, it's historically, everybody knows this and, and you know, whatever, if it was, some of it was illegal or some of it wasn't, he literally had a tackle box full of 
uppers, downers, you know, painkillers, whatever you needed. And he pulled this box out and he looks at me like before a preseason game. And he's like, he goes, Hey, hey, Rook, you need something? I'm like, no, dude. And I'm like jacked up. Like this, like I'm adrenaline high. This is like a lifelong dream for me. I, you know, I'm, I'm, my adrenaline's flowing 500 times. And uh, he looks at me, he's like, oh, well, you, you know, he missed, he's like in his fifth year, right? Fourth or fifth year in the NFL. Oh, when you play as long as I do, you're going to, you're going to need this stuff. I'm like, what? You're like, dude, you're in like five years. I mean, you're not like you're like a 12 year veteran. Now, granted, you went out to have whatever you did, 16, 17 year career. But I'm like, it's, it was just a different, it's just different breed, different cats. And uh, I mean, from, I mean, I met Barry Bonds when we were there. We hang out with all the Philly guys. They locker, you know, we shared a locker room with the Phillies. So, I mean, it was just a, it was a, it was a cool, neat experience. Um, from a kid growing up in Iowa, it was completely different than what I expected it to be. Uh, but at the same point, man, I am, I, I loved every minute of it until the day I got cut. But uh, it was a, it was a great, it, it was, it was a cool deal. And again, I still have friends. I mean, from Fiedler and I got to be really close in that, at that time. And then we actually played together in NFL Europe. Um, so Jay and I are still close. Uh, but there was just guys on that, on that team, you know, Willie T when he was scouting for the, for the, uh, after he retired, he scouted for the Raiders for a long time. And so William T and I would, we, you know, see each other scouting and combines and whatever else and catch up. And so it was always just, it, it's just really cool. You got those, those memories. Govea, I still talk to Kurt. Um, it was just a, it was a really cool experience and I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it. I'm not going to lie. I think you have the best welcome to the NFL story I've heard. Like literally nah, nah. That, 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 nothing Bro. beats that. Well, I'm going to rephrase. I'm going to go back a second then. Okay. So we're playing, we're up in Lehigh and we went up to play like script, doing us a little scrimmage at Lehigh. And at, this is the point before we practice in Westchester. So our practices were in Westchester and there was a really cool bar called the rat trap. That was awesome, by the way. So if you're old school nineties and you know the rat trap, Bro, Westchester, Westchester university. Yes. Here, there was yep. a bar called the rat trap. That was awesome on the corner. And we used to hang out there all the time. But anyways, um, we're, we're up in Lehigh to do this little scrimmage fan fanfare or whatever it was fan fest. And uh, all these guys, you know, so a lot of these guys had played for the Redskins and then was Ray was there, of course, as a D coordinator. And then that's where he became the head coach for Philly. So we're sitting in the locker room and I, and in these, it's just a you know, college locker room, right? So you got the little metal lockers and you got, it's just, there's not much to it. All of a sudden, Doug Williams walks in, right? And Doug Williams, if you don't know Doug Williams, who, of course, the Super Bowl winnings quarterback, Doug Williams is gigantic. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. he is just a huge dude. I'm six, maybe six two, just shy of six two, 240. Pretty big dude. I'm, I was pretty ripped up. This cat walks in the door and he's wearing just dress clothes because he had, was not playing or was out of football at the time. And he's coming in to say hello to like Raleigh McKenzie and, and Govea and, and some Wilbur, some of the guys he had played with with the Redskins. And he's in the locker room, and I look at Kurt, and I go, God, I know that face. Man, I know that. I saw you talking to him. Who is that? He goes, it's Doug Williams, man. I mean, that guy's like, you know, one of the Super Bowl MVPs, like one of the best of all time. I go, that's Doug Williams. Holy cow, it is Doug Williams. Like, I'm freaking out, right? As a football fanatic and a football fan, I'm like, holy. And then I look at him again, and I'm like, size him up, and I'm like, I don't think I'm good enough to play in the NFL. That guy's huge. I can't sack him. There's no way I can get that guy down. Quarterbacks are that. Like, I'm looking at Randall Cunningham, and I'm having a tough time with Randall Cunningham. I look at Rodney Pete, and I'm like, okay, I can get Rodney Pete down. I can get maybe Fiedler's a big dude too. But I'm like, that's a, that's a quarterback? That's how they make quarterbacks in the NFL? I go, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is actually – maybe I don't think 
maybe I'm not as good as I think I'm good. I am because it was he was just enormous, and I'm it was. I mean, still to this day, I mean, that's why he's one of you know he didn't ever be a Hall of Famer because he never had that career in Tampa, but he was. Uh, I mean, he's a stud and he's an icon, and and uh, he changed the way that quarterbacks were thought of in the NFL. And but he was just a massive man. Unfortunately, my parents were grew up in Virginia and were diehard Redskins fans, so I have. Uh, Doug Williams, John Riggins, that whole entire offensive line rush grand burnt into my memory as a child sure. growing up. But Doug Williams is huge for people that don't know. I, I, I really, if you're listening to this episode, please Google him. He's like six six, freaking Dude. huge. That guy's that guy's a monster. I mean, I've seen him around too. He's t- he still works for the Redskins right now, right now, currently. Uh, what a guy though. He is, he is a class actor. Yep. Actually, now I know this has nothing to do with podcasts or story time, but my parents had their wedding rehearsal at the that Redskins restaurant they do over there. And Doug yeah. Williams actually went over to them during their rehearsal and he goes, anyway, Redskins fan here. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, like, like, <laughs> like yeah, I love he grabs a football and he signs it for him and he gives it to him. I still have it in my house to this day. I know he's a Redskins guy, but I love I love my Doug Williams. First black quarterback to ever won a Super Bowl, man. We got to always respect the guy. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. And he's just, uh, you know, he, but he was a massive man. And I just, I, I, it, may, it may question my manhood and if I was ready to step up and play, play in the NFL. So it was, oh, uh, man. yeah, good, good times, man. I really, I enjoyed my time in Philly, had a great time out there. We would, um, you know, I didn't get to spend enough time like out hanging out in Philly. Uh, I did later on in my life, but um, it was, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed, I always enjoyed Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, the fans are, are fanatical, but they are, passionate and that's what you want i mean that's it, when it's all said and done that's what i think it's you know why it's one of the most iconic franchises and it always will be is because they just have um it means something you know it's not this isn't just like this is this is it's a culture and it's hey man this is what we're doing we're gonna bust our ass for five days a week and then so we can go and spend our money on sundays watching our eagles and it's uh i think that's that's, that's as a football fan, and it's just as someone who loves the game. Uh, that's why I love my time at Philly. It was a great experience for me, and I wish it could have been longer. Uh, but at the same point, it was uh, just to have a taste of it while I was there was really cool. Hey, parents. Did you know your kids' money habits start as early as the second grade? Help them build money skills for the real world with GoHenry, the debit card and financial learning app for kids 6 to 18. They'll check off chores in the app, set savings goals, and get their own customized card. It's easy to automate allowance, track spending, and more, so they get independence and you get to set the boundaries. Guide their learning every step of the way and stay up to date with real-time notifications in your parent app. Families love it. GoHenry has over 1.5 million members, and 92% of parents said their kids were more money confident after using the app. Start your kids on their journey to become money smart adults. Get started at GoHenry.com, promo code SMART. That's awesome, man. So let's get into your scouting background because now I want to get into like, the, the football side of it, what the Eagles are looking like now. Uh, being a former linebacker yourself, the Eagles completely – its it goes way beyond Jim Schwartz because this is back like – after Trotter left the team, the Eagles have really devalued the linebacker position over the years. Uh, what is your take on that? Like, do you think that's the right route to go with how the NFL is going nowadays, though? But because to me, I still think you need at least that one good linebacker, and the Eagles don't have that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Schwartz is a linebacker himself, right? And and so a former linebacker himself. So you would think that he would you would value a linebacker. I think that 
we're in a different era of we're never going to have the Buckus, the Nitschke, the Singletary, um, you know, the Ray. Ray was a little different, Lewis, but you're never going to have that just smash mouth, fill the gaps, fill the ISOs linebacker, linebacker anymore. You're just not. You have to be able to be able to flow and be able to play to the outside, to the numbers, to the sidelines, and be able to play in coverage. If you want to play, I mean, that's where, you know, like a Luke Keekley, um, you know, is so good. And, and where you have a guy like, you know, Levante David uh, is underrated. Bobby Wagner can play that way. And, you know, some of the better guys that are still doing it, uh, you know, or or you're a three, four guy and you rush a passer. And so if you're in the interior, you know, the, the game has kind of changed. And it started a couple of years ago when Mark Barron, you know, was in Tampa and, they, and, and the Rams brought him up and kind of made him a hybrid linebacker. And they did that with Dante Buchanan in, in Arizona. And you kind of see that now, right? I mean, you're seeing that with these new hybrid linebackers coming in from the colleges, uh, the Devin Whites of the world. You know, these guys are, are six foot and they're 215, 220 pounds and they can fly. And they're not afraid to hit people, but they're they're really adept in coverage. And I think that is – I think if you have one of those guys, I think you're okay. Um, I, I if, if, if Schwartz feels like he can, you know, play that with a bigger safety and, – and he was able to get away with it for a lot of years because of Malcolm Jenkins could kind of fill that role for, for a long time. Um, you know, I don't know if they got that. I mean, you know, Rodney's – McLeod is, fits it to a, a little bit, but they don't have that one just, you know – stud linebacker guy that can kind of fill that. I mean, you're going into the season with Nathan Gary, TJ Edwards, and Duke Riley as your, uh, you know, your starting linebackers. That's a, that's a tough, that's a tough, you know, you got to hope that maybe you know, the rookie Taylor can, uh, can kind of step up. But if you're, if you plan on playing a lot of nickel and you plan on playing a lot of dime majority of the time, then, you know, maybe you're okay with it. I don't, I, it's not how I would run my team and not how I run my defense. Um, but it's work, you know what, but it's work for Philly and, and, and they have, they have rings to prove it. And uh, um, Schwartz has proven that he's a, a capable and uh, smart defensive coordinator. Uh, but in that in that manner, you got to be able to get to the quarterback, and and they've been fortunate with that. To the to the point though, they did have Malcolm Jenkins, so he really was like their their yeah. lead linebacker. So now yep. they don't, and they're hoping Will Parks and Jalen Mills for that role. And, sure, I mean, to be determined. Yeah, and, and again, the one thing you have, here's the one thing that, that the Eagles have where I think it's going to be, um, you got Slay, of course, I think Darius is just uh, is so underappreciated in so many different avenues. But the guy who I think is your stud corner, and I think he's going to become the alpha dog, I've said it all the time, is I think Avante Maddox is is just a special player. And I really think that before it's all said and done, I there will be, before the season's over, he'll be getting the Pro Bowl conversation. I think Slay will... Slay's always going to get it because he comes in with that reputation. But football guys that know and pay attention, Avante Maddox is the next guy. It, I, it will not be surprised if Schwartz uses him in a different situations this year to highlight his uh, his uh, skill set because he's just a he's a talented player. I mean, he's going to be the outside corner opposite of Slay. Yep. So this is these are these are big words to hear from you because nobody thinks this about him. Uh, there there was times where you saw in his rookie season. Where he yep. they put him they threw him on the outside finally where they finally just had too many injuries they had to put him on the outside corner yep. and he held his own versus DeAndre Hopkins and and sure. guys like that and then I think personally I don't know if you agree with this the sophomore slump for corners is real like that's yep. it's definitely real and he had that because the Eagles were like well we're gonna put you at nickel now we're gonna put you outside now we don't really know we're just gonna rotate with all these injuries like. That's not good for a young player. So I think the situation was rough. But now that you add Nicole Robin Coleman, 
and you yeah. add Darius Slay, I mean, he's going to be facing the lesser wide receivers, I would imagine, still. I I mean, I'm high on him, too, so I'm glad to hear you say this because you hear uh, all of these beat writers for the Eagles during training camp so far just highlight how he gets destroyed by bigger wide receivers. They're always like, yeah, if he was a little bit taller, he would have made this play. But I'm thinking it's practice. Yeah. Like, what kind of practice effort and game effort is completely different? I don't think that we're. And you hate to say that. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the truth, but it's, you hate to say that you want guys to practice like they play. But I think also the other part for Maddox is going to be is like the, the familiarity now with this defense. He's in the year three. And it's, you're right. I mean, no matter what it is, it, the NFL's hard. People think it's just, oh, yeah, we're going to go and just, you know, line up. But that's what he needs to do. Sometimes you just got to be able to have a, a player. That, that, that's what Pat Peterson, where he was so fortunate early in his career was when they took him, and again, I'm not comparing Avante Maddox to Pat Peterson. I'm just using this as an example. There's some guys that that I'm not going to say they don't learn well or whatever else. Some guys you just don't mess with. You almost don't coach them. Just go out there and lock down this guy. Here's what you got. You got him man-to-man, or you got him and you know, you're in cover two or cover three. Play it and go. And and if you move them around a lot, then they start thinking. And it's hard, especially for young players. If you're thinking too much and you're trying – because then you're trying to be perfect. Instead of just playing and letting your natural ability take over, you're trying to think too much and you're trying to be perfect in every play you make. And so for guys like that, when, when they did that with Pat Peterson, when, they, when he came up with the Arizona Cardinals, they just said, listen, you're just going to – you got this side of the field, just take it, handle it. you got those guys, let's go. Or you're going to run with this player and you have him all day long. Guys can do that because then that's a challenge. And then that's that, – that you're questioning their manhood a little bit and saying, hey, this is a one-on-one battle. you got to win this. And so I think that's what they need to do with Maddox a little bit is just don't let him think so much and just let him, his natural talent, his natural ability is there. Just let him go play. And so I think that'll, I, I hope if they do that the right way. And I know you, you have to be a thinking man to play in Schwartz's defense. He expects that um, because he comes from that Belichick tree, but you can, you, I mean, I'm not saying don't, he can't, he doesn't have to think on his feet, but at, at the same point, don't, you don't keep it simple, stupid as the kiss principle. And I think sometimes we forget that, that some of these young guys need that. The Eagles forget that period. The Eagles yeah. forget that period. They they struggle. That's I was gonna say at the finish. That's the number one thing that the Eagles struggle with. They overload their young players, and then you have the Nelson Aguilar's that happen. You have yep. the they, it's it's rough because uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I'm not sure if you were a fan yep. of his at Stanford, but uh, they asked him to come in after like middle of his rookie season. And say hey, you got to play the X, you got to play the Z, you got to play the Y, and complete overload he admitted it too i mean at stanford he was just a jump ball guy and that's it that's all he has to do in a run first offense he comes to philadelphia and they're just telling him hey we got so many wide receiver injuries you got to be forming every spot of the wide receiver spot and it doesn't happen so sure. i think that's a, i think that's an eagles problem more so than a huge problem because like i just said with the maddox i thought he looked great his rookie year but he played uh free safety because mcleod went down then he played yep. outside corner because they had injuries there uh, mills went down he did a lot of his rookie season. And then the next year, again, like we just said, he, they played him all over. So I think it's like more of an Eagles issue because they do it with all their guys, all their young guys. They Because even Andre Dillard last year, they were like, yep. you know, you could play right tackle. And that it's not that easy. Yeah. Well, I think and that's part of it is that you're a pro, right? So you should be able to do more than one thing. I mean, that's just you're getting paid. So let's go. You got to be able to do more than one thing. But at the same point, you also then have to know your your limitations and some of this stuff, right? You, when you take a guy from Stanford, you think, okay, he's smart. And he should be able to do multiple things. But it's also for rookies, and this is the one thing I tell guys, like when you're trying to make it as a rookie free agent or you're trying to do, you know, just make it, you're just trying to figure out where the freaking locker room is, man. You're just trying to figure out how to, where to like eat and, and how to get the your sleep and how to make sure you keep your body right against guys that have been doing it for a while. These are pros. So you're already overloaded. 
And then on top of that, you got to learn three different positions or you got to learn, you know, I did as a rookie when, when I was in Philly, they wanted me to know all three linebacker positions. And, you know, I was fortunate that I could do it, but I can't sit and tell you I was comfortable. I wouldn't have been as comfortable as if I, you just said, okay, you're just the middle linebacker. Just know this part. You just need to know these checks when this happens. Okay. It's, it's difficult, but again, if you want to make it and you want to play, you have to be able to, 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 to move and, and, and understand stuff. So I'm not, I'm not giving Maddox a, a pass, but I think it's, but I also think coaches tend to over pressurize some of these players. And I think it's going to be different this year because we didn't have off season because there's no uh, mini camps. There's no uh, OTAs. I think these guys are going to be, uh, the veterans are going to need to step up and, and you're going to need them more than ever. And so I think it's uh I think the coaches need to, at least the first couple of weeks. I think they need to simplify it and just let players play. And uh, I think you'll see the cream rise to the top. And those are the teams that are going to end up being, you know, successful, you know, four and oh, three and one coming out of the gate because they didn't, they weren't trying to do too much. They weren't trying to, you know, they weren't went, trying to win every snap. They were just going out there to look at the big picture and say, okay, how can we put our players in the best situation to win? All right. So speaking from a veteran standpoint, so you played in the league, you scout the league, you were an agent in the league. This is the perspective I'm going to need for you on this one. Jason Peters, like, there's a report out right now that uh, if they want to move him from right guard because Andre Dillard's out for the season, they want to move him to left tackle, he, they need to pay him more is what the report is. Not It hasn't been proven yet. That it's just a rumor, but that's what it looks like right now. The Eagles are continuing to roll with him at right guard. They're putting Matt Pryor. They're putting Jordan Mulata, uh Jack Driscoll's options at left tackle. They're try- I don't know if they're trying to sweat him out. I don't know what the situation is going to be, but uh, I – I, me personally, as a fan, I'm not comfortable with putting Jason Peters at a new position and a new left tackle at a whole new position two weeks before the season starts. Are you thinking like maybe this is a way the Eagles are sweating around his demands, or like this is? I mean, what would you do if you're Jason Peters in this situation? Do you think he has a right? Ah, oh, it's great. That's it. I mean, this is a fun situation, actually. I mean, Howie Roseman will figure it out. He always does. Um, I think that if you're the Peters camp, right, you are happy to just get a job. And you were happy to be back and you're happy to be, all right, hey, I'm, I'm cool with it. I know they moved on. This is the future. Um, you got Lane on one side. You're going to go Dillard on the other. And um, I'll go, I'll come in. These are my boys. I'll come play, you know, I'll play guard with you. I'm in what year 15 or 14, whatever it is. Uh, and I'll take this, you know, $2 million or $3 million. Um, because it's, it's not, the, that position is not the same. It doesn't, it's just not, it's not the same demand on your body. It's not the same, uh, you know, to, to what, to what he needs to do. Left tackle is different, man. It's a breed. I mean, it's, it's, it goes from, you know, the difference is except unless you play the Rams, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody else is the best players on the outside, right? I mean, you're going to be blocking from the, you know, he's got to block, you know, he goes from, from blocking uh, DeAndre Poe in Dallas Cowboys to now, you know, blocking Marcus Lawrence. There's a difference, man. I mean, that's just a different breed. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's some guys that you're, you're now blocking Chase Young. You're now blocking the, the Ryan Kerrigans. You're now, it's just a different set of, of, you know, and you're not getting help every time. Most of the time when you're a guard, you can get double teams at the center. Um, I think if I'm Peter's camp, I think it's it's a no brainer. I think that, I don't know if he needs to get the top 12, you know, $12 million money, but I think that, I think there should be some incentivized that in there that the Eagles should come back and say to him, Hey, if you, every game, here's a $500,000 bonus or every, you know, whatever that number comes to. I mean, I think there is some leeway. And I think that the Eagles have done that historically. Um, now, granted, you could always sit and say, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, you get to honor your contract and this is where it is. 
but you know what? When they brought him in, they didn't bring him in and tell him, hey, you're going to be the possibility you're going to be our left tackle. You know, they brought him in saying you're going to be our starting right guard. And so I think that if you're – Doug Peterson is a veteran coach when it comes to understanding the players and their thoughts and the rumblings in the locker room and how to keep guys happy. Because if you do this – if you do right by Jason Peters, that's going to make Kelsey happy. That's going to make Lane Johnson happy. That's going to make Carson Wentz happy. That's going to make Deuce Staley happy, the coach. I mean, they're, they're going to see guys that will say, okay, man, they're taking care of – we take care of our own. He's been a big part of this historically. Uh, if we're asking him to do more, we should pay him more. And and that and that's just fair. And that's a that's a that's the way the world works. And um, so I, it will. I would guess something will get done. And even if the, the the rumblings are there, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they jumped the gun and Jeffrey Lurie comes and says, "Hey, what what do we need to do to make this right by him?" Right? I mean, if you if you were a player, if you were Jason Peter before you kind of complained, or before you had your agent make a demand, wouldn't it be really cool if somebody if the, the team came to you and said, "Hey." We'll take care of you. What do you, you know, we're going to give you, we're, we'll pay you 6 million this year. Is that cool? And uh, we'll make it, we'll give you these incentives or do whatever else. Um, I think there, I think that'd be a pretty, I think that'd go a long way toward not only in the locker room, but I think that would go a long way toward, uh, toward, uh, you know, making Jason Peters happy. And I think that would be, uh, it'd be a big deal for the locker room. I agree with you. I mean, we ask all these guys to be loyal to the team. And then when it comes time for the team to be loyal to them, we're like, no, don't do that. Cause yep. you're right. He got brought in on the pretense of him playing right guard. Now you're asking him, okay, we, sorry, Jason, we told you two years in a row that we're trying to replace you at left tackle, but we're screwed again. We need yep. you to play left tackle. Yep. Then pay up, pay up, yep. pay up. Well, Put you know, hands in it. The hard part is he lost Brooks and who was a stud. I mean, he's probably one of my mm-hmm. favorite guards in the NFL. And so you're just, this line has already got already decimated. And you know that Peters, the one thing that has been pretty good for him consistently and is that, you know, in his career, he's, he's, he's battled. And he's, and he's been there. And so, and the guys know him and the guys appreciate him. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, you're not going to find a guy, you're not going to find a guy as good as him right now on the street. Okay. You're just not, unless you go trade, unless you trade, you know, unless you trade, but you're going to have to give up something for it, which then has a price tag to it too. Is that price tag that you would give up? Is that worth the same as what you would pay a guy you already have in house? Those are the things that the front office has to figure out. And, and unfortunately, you know, they didn't want to have to do this. I'm sure Howie Roseman wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to lose my starting, you know, tackle uh, before the games, games even start. But that's the cost of doing business in the NFL. And if they want to have some success, um, I think you got to pay them. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I, I bet they do. I, I would bet that oh, they yeah. do. I mean, he signed a contract last year for four, uh, 5.5 guaranteed. And then he signed one this year for three. Like, I mean, I'm sure the 2.5 can be made up incentives yeah, somewhere I'm or sure. another. Yep. But another thing is, from an agent standpoint, what the hell is his agent thinking? Why, like, this should have been a pretense in the contract already. If you're going to move me to left tackle, there's going to be incentives inserted because it wasn't like Andre Dillard was a lock, right? Yeah, and I think you know what, maybe there is, and, and maybe we don't know that. Maybe there already is. True. Maybe there's before the conversations already got started. Maybe there was a maybe there's a gentleman's agreement, or maybe there's something that was that's in there that says, hey, if he starts X amount of games or incentive wise, I, I haven't seen his contract. Um, but, and I, so I don't know what the actual verbiage is, but yeah, you know, if, so uh, none of us do. So, if, 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 but if it's in the contract, I mean, I doubt it would be in the contract, but maybe there's a, there's a, you know, an off the books deal where you say to, you know, where the agent says to, to Howie, Hey, if this guy ends up playing left tackle again, you know, you're going to have to redo something. And, and most, you know, most guys honor that. So that I could see that have happened, have happened as well. I believe so too. So a couple more things. You posted something about Boston Scott that I absolutely love because I'm a huge Boston Scott supporter. Uh, 
the everybody is all upset because the Eagles didn't sign a veteran running back this offseason. I'm not one of those people. I think their running back group is fine as it is, and if somebody goes down, they could fill that void during the season if they needed. Uh, Boston Scott, I think you got to increase his usage this year. Uh, for every seven snaps he's on the field, he had a first down last year. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm all on the Boston Scott train. You know what? I mean, because here's the thing. You're, you're, everybody's always like, well, Corey Clement brings this, you know, a different element to it. And, and Miles Sanders is, is you know, is going to be the, your bell cow. You want him to be. But he's not a true bell cow. And that's what the, the difference is where I think Boston Scott, not that Boston Scott is either. He's kind of an undersized guy. But his, his skill set, he's such a powerful, compact little runner that he is just – he turns his legs on contact. He continually fights for first downs. He always falls forward for, for extra yardage. Um, it means something to him, right? I mean, he had he was phenomenal in the preseason with the with the Saints uh, a couple of years ago, and so the fact that that he was so successful last year, whenever you're right, whenever he had the ball in his hands, everything he did, um, you know, was positive in that offense. And so I think it's it's a it's a comp, he's a compliment to Sanders because Sanders can kind of do the more of the things to the outside and to the edges. Where I think Boss is not afraid to get dirty. I mean, he's getting those gritty yards inside, and he's productive with it. He's a great one-cut guy. Hits the hole with the explosion. Um, I, I just think I don't think you need to. I mean, because I think you can. You know, I always go with. I always say go with fresh legs at that position because you can always you can. I mean, let's be real. You could go pick up a Carlos Hyde somewhere else. Not that Carlos is old, but I mean, in, in at running back, you know, years he is. You can find a guy like that, right? I mean, you can go get. LaShawn McCoy back, or you can go get, uh, you know, a, a veteran guy that you think you need. You can find a, a serviceable back. I mean, we see it in fantasy all the time, right? When you're fighting for your championships, week 13, 14, you got some guy in there that wasn't even on most rosters, uh, you know, week two and three. So I think, I think Boston Scott adds value to this team. And I think he's better than people give him credit for. And I, it won't surprise me actually, if he takes actual vital snaps away from miles as the year goes along, one, to save Sanders, uh, save his legs for the stretch run. But two, I just think he has a different – just his skill set's different than what Sanders is. is and, and that's okay. I mean, that doesn't – he doesn't have to be – you don't have to be the starter to be the starter, right? I mean, we saw that years ago or two years ago in, in with the Rams, right? I mean, Todd Gurley was, okay, well, you know, we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, Mel, you know, whatever uh, – uh, God, what's it? Not Malcolm Brown, the other – C.J. Anderson. Yeah, C.J. Anderson comes in and becomes kind of the – was the, became the bell cow – from Gurley, who had just gotten paid. So I, I think it's uh, – I, I think you're okay having – at that position, having uh, three or four backs. I'm not saying by committee because I don't know if the I don't know if the Eagles have – you know, I'm not high on a lot of the guys they have behind those two. But those two are a very good complement for what Carson Wentz does in that offense and for what Doug Peterson does with that offense. I, I'm okay with where they're at right I now. I agree with you completely because I think Boston Scott's the next Darren Sproles. I, mean, I think the huge thing you hit on is the short yardage. He's really good at short yardage. I, I Perfect perfect guy for this short yardage back. I, I'm all in on Boston Scanners too. I mean, excuse me, Boston Scott too. Uh, was there any other Eagles players you have your eye on in 2020? You know what? I Besides, I, I talked about Maddox, and I, I know I'm probably higher on him than, than a lot of other guys. Um, you know, I think that it's always been – and again, I'm sure I'm singing to the Eagles fans. Your receivers are not good. And mm. it's just, it's been, it just seems like every year you're waiting for the next guy, right? Okay, is it going to be Alshon? Is it going to be, uh, 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 you know, is it going to be, uh, oh, who's my guy that you guys cut? Right. Uh, the, the guy that, that, 
Aguilar, yeah, is it going to be Nelson? Who's the next guy going to be? You know, is this year, is it John Hightower? But it, Jalen Rager is a stud. I mean, they're just – I would get him the ball as much as possible on jet sweeps, on bubble screens. Man, on, as on, we're recording this, I promise you as we're recording this, he got hurt at camp. Did he really? He he ta- he tried to tackle oh. somebody on an interception and hurt his wrist, and they took him back to the oh. locker room. So Okay, well, I, let's hope to God he's not. But I'm damn. praying, too, because I was – Never mind the Eagles stuff. I promise you, this is not just all my life. I love football. Liberty breathe football. Huge draft guy. He was my wide receiver four in this class. I simply believe he is that good. I think he's the next Odell Beckham. I simply believe he's that good because of the inaccurate quarterback play at TCU really, really, really hindered his whole entire box score. If you go in and watch that film, completely different player than what his box score suggests. No, I agree. And and, and I mean, he's just a tough, and he's, he's, he's for a littler guy, he was tough. And he was very, uh, not only explosive, but he was one of those guys. I mean, that's where he's getting hurt. If you're talking about getting hurt, he's getting hurt chasing somebody down, right? Because he's that competitive and he wants to win every snap. And so I think that that he is a guy that I was, you know, I, I expect big things. And it would not surprise me if that offense is kind of run through him and, and then through uh, Zach Ernst. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I envisioned it by the midseason. Again, he's going to be delayed no matter what now if he's injured. But even going into it, he's delayed because he missed the offseason. Um, because there wasn't the OTAs in the in the in the preseason games like we've talked about, so he probably was going to take till week six, week seven to kind of really get going. But I kind of really thought that he would be a guy that that I that you could build a team around um, or an offense, and I'm not going to say around, but that where you could make him a vocal focal point of you know get him the ball. 15, 20. He's not, he's not Tavon Austin, right? I mean, he's not that guy. He's, he's just, he's bigger, physical, tougher, just there's more things to his game than he had. Um, and I think you could kind of, you could make a whole different, different group of packages for him. And then that would accentuate the backs out of the backfield. That would accentuate the run game. That would accentuate Ernst in the middle. Uh, you know, I, I said this, I, I think I wrote about this at one point. I would have no problem if you put Ertz at tight end on the one side, on the right side, and put Jalen Reger on the uh, left side and literally just have them mirror run mirror routes every time, right? So if Ertz is running a freaking crossing route, then then Reger's running a crossing route and they're crossing each other. If he's if Ertz is running an out route to the right, Reger's running an out route to the left and literally just run the same and have Wentz one or two. I mean, that's just his option is one or two right there. And then if it's not, it's a check down to Sanders and you're good. You don't, I mean, I don't know what you're going to get out of Sean. I don't know what you're going to get out of all Sean. I mean, those are kind of your third complimentary players, but you could take, you could have those three players, Sanders, Ertz, and, and Rager, and you could build a, a legit offense around them and uh, have that be 80% of your offense. And I think you're going to be okay. And then let the other 15% be Boston Scott, 5% be some of those other, you know, get Dallas Goddard in there and, and uh, Whiteside and, and uh, Ward and a couple other guys, and then go from there. I agree with you. I think Drager is their long-term playmaker for sure. I think that's exactly what they needed is the long-term playmaker because they had no playmaking ability once Deshaun went down. So I think that's what Drager brings to them. Uh, hopefully he's okay. We'll find out probably later this week. That, uh, that would be a huge. That would be a huge blow for the Eagles, man. I mean, they're too big already, a blow. Too they're big. already battling. I mean, their their defense. You got some great side. Their secondary is awesome, and you always. I mean, I've been a Brandon Graham fan since Michigan. And I just think he is just phenomenal. I know he's getting on his last legs, but it doesn't seem like it, right? You say that every year. Okay, Brandon Graham's got to be about it. And then he just shows up again and, and continues to make plays and Barnett. And, and and their defense is, is a solid defense. But they really needed that offense. They needed to get compliments for Carson Wentz because everybody's kind of waiting for – here's the hard part that you have as an Eagle fan, okay, is Wentz was good and then he got hurt. And then you won a Super Bowl without him and he – 
partly with it, but without him. And so then he comes back and everybody's kind of like, okay, is he the guy or not? Now, people that see him every day, you can see the ball explode out of his hand. You can see the arm talent. You see the leadership skills. You see who he is as a human. And you're like, okay, I want to follow that guy. That guy's that guy's quarterback one, right? I mean, he's QB one. I'm good with that. But you don't see that really around the country. Nobody else really talks about that, right? I mean, you don't mm-hmm. just – he doesn't really have a huge – I mean, maybe Lewis Riddick, who follows him and knows him well, but there's not a lot of national media guys that really just talk about Carson Wentz as like the guy. And part of that is because of the talent around him. He doesn't have those. He doesn't have the the guys you want to. Uh, you know, he doesn't have an Amari Cooper. All right, he's he doesn't have a. You know, heck, he didn't really have a Micah Gallup. He doesn't have a a, a lot of big time. You know, uh, playmakers. For him, and so you thought this was going to be the year with Rager was kind of going to be the guy, maybe bringing with getting Deshaun back and and get some familiarity there. Um, yeah, but it's the the, the doors, the, the the I guess for me, and I think for a lot of other people, the the jury's still out on what where Wentz is. Right? Is he that perennial top ten, top five quarterback in the NFL, or is he always going to kind of float around eleven to fifteen? And and can he be the team that continually? leads his team and he's got it. Unfortunately for him, he's going to go against young guys the rest of the time in his division, you know, with Dak and, and, uh, you know, it's not Haskins. I don't know where, where Haskins fits into this, but then now with Daniel Jones uh, with the giants, when does, when does Wentz make that step and, and onto the national stage and become the guy. And if he continues to have guys getting hurt, if you're losing your left tackle, if you're losing your right guard, if you're losing your, you know, now one of your playmakers at receivers, it's always kind of tough to make that step. And, and, uh, you know, that's not fair to Wentz, but uh, those are the cards he's dealt. And I think it's got to be they're, – they're battling right now to, to, to compete with uh, the Cowboys for this division. Um, they can't afford any more injuries to if they want to try to win the NFC East. Absolutely agree with you, Bridge. And just to finish this off real quick, what, what do you think the Eagles do this year? If Let's just – let's let's forget what happened to Rager right now. Let's just forget it. Let's, let's just say yep. it's nothing right now. What's, what do you think the Eagles do this year? Do you think they win the division? I don't only for the fact I think Cowboys are just too loaded. I just think that I think Dallas is just too good. Now, that being said, I think if you put Carson Wentz in Dallas, I think they're perennial like Super Bowl contenders all year. Like I, I think Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. I'm just not a big a Dak Prescott fan as everybody else is. But that's that's just me. Um, but I will say that I think that that they there's just too many complimentary things. If you just go down your roster and go position by position and just compare Dallas is just better. I mean, that's just, that's not, that's not, that's just, if you're, you don't have to be a biased fan, just go look. And if you just know football at all, the Cowboys are just better. Now, will McCarthy bring that group together? That's the difference is I think coaching Eagles have better coaching. And so in that, that wins games. If that wins you two mm-hmm. or three games a year, then that could be the difference. If that's, if that, if you can, if Doug Peterson and his staff can out scheme McCarthy and his staff and, you know, in those two head to head games, that might be the difference of winning the division. Um, but I think talent wise, and I think McCarthy's a good enough coach, uh, that, that were, I think he's better than what Jason Garrett was. So I think that is going to be the difference this year. And I think it, so for me, I think it's, I, I think it's, a, it's a hardcore Dallas versus Philly. I think it's going to come down to the wire. And then I think the also Rams. I, I mean, I think that if the giants do anything or if the, if the Redskins do anything, I mean, it's just, they, they got lucky. I mean, I just think they're going to fall. They'll fall into a couple wins. But I mean, if either of those teams win more than six games, I would be surprised. I I I can't see it. 
I'll take the Carson Wentz is better than Dak, though, from an NFL scout. I'll take that yep. assertion. But all right, Bridge. So, again, former linebacker, Mark Lowbridge, former scout, former uh, agent as well. He's done it all. You know everything about the football side, so we should definitely listen to your opinion. You can find him at Bridges Football on Twitter, an integral part of the Brawl Network. So you check out his show, Bridges Football, right? Yeah, Bridges Brawl on yeah, Bridges, Bridges Brawl, yeah. at Bridges, But you can find me on Facebook and uh, Instagram and uh, and uh, Twitter at Bridges Football. But on Spotify and iTunes, my podcast is Bridges Brawl. Bridges Brawl, and you can find that uh, everywhere. You can find the Brawl Network and, and find the Eagles Brawl and all the great Brawl Networks that we've uh, given you it's uh, we're blowing up and we're kind of the next big thing and Connor, you do a great job with the eagles uh, it's been kind of fun to, to watch your you know growth as you started doing this i think this is going to be one of our bigger uh, markets and, and that's a testament to you and what you've done so i appreciate it as you know one of the guys that helped get the brawl network off the ground and uh, we're excited to have you and eagle fans uh brace up for a good year hopefully regular is healthy uh, hopefully you can get jason peters paid and uh, hopefully you can keep uh Keep Boston Scott getting in the end zone because I'm going to get him in my fantasy so I can post some touchdowns. Yep, I got him in fantasy too. All right, Bridge, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to have you on the show again to talk about this uh, more Eagles yeah. football. So I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the kind words, my man. All right, man. God bless, guys. We'll talk to you later. Hey, parents. Did you know your kids' money habits start as early as the second grade? Help them build money skills for the real world with GoHenry, the debit card and financial learning app for kids 6 to 18. They'll check off chores in the app, set savings goals, and get their own customized card. It's easy to automate allowance, track spending, and more, so they get independence, and you get to set the boundaries. Guide their learning every step of the way and stay up to date with real-time notifications in your parent app. Families love it. GoHenry has over 1.5 million members, and 92% of parents said their kids were more money confident after using the app. Start your kids on their journey to become money smart adults. Get started at GoHenry.com, promo code SMART. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.